This episode is sponsored by Grizz Targets and Archery, hands down the best targets made right here in Alberta. I'm very thankful to have partnered with these amazing guys putting out high quality products. Their targets range in all sizes. The Backpacker is their most portable target, great for checking your sights while you're in the backcountry to make sure your arrow is still flying true. This thinner 12 inch by 12 inch target can double as a seat or a flat surface when cooking. Multipurpose like that is essential when packing light. When you want to have some fun testing your skills at long distances, the Kodiak makes for the perfect target. It boasts a massive 48 inch by 48 inch surface to assure you that you won't be digging in the grass for your arrows. It's also great for when your buddies and you want to shoot together without having to take turns. Grizz makes quality targets affordable with options for interchangeable cells that keep you from needing to buy an entirely new target when the bullseye gets worn. They also have options for frames and stands and targets for field points and broadheads. You want a target that's as tough as you? Get Grizzly Tough with Grizz Targets and Archery. Be sure to check them out at grizztargetsarchery.ca. This episode is sponsored by CND Archery. CND is Alberta owned and operated, offering two pro shops in Rosalind and Maleg. Owners Corey and Doug have more than 25 years of combined knowledge and experience to get you set up properly and to maintain your gear for years to come. CND Archery is Canada's only distributor of expedition bows. They carry tons of great gear that you won't find anywhere else. Corey and Doug support local by carrying many Alberta-made products from arrows to accessories. Get in touch with the guys on Facebook or Instagram today at CND Archery to set up your visit. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Slayer Calls. Bill Ayer, CEO and founder of Slayer, puts in immense workmanship and quality control into every one of his calls. Not one of his products makes it into your hands without first meeting his high standards. Slayer currently makes calls for waterfowl, elk, and turkey. Their double reed duck calls boast superior craftsmanship and award-winning performance with wildly loud sound. They have a full range of elk reeds, custom bugle tubes, and in my opinion, the best push-button elk call on the market, known as the Enchantress. This push-button call allows you to get a variety of noises, from great cow sounds to estrus buzzes and big location bugles when paired with the swagger tube. Slayer makes many other products, from goose calls and turkey reeds to lanyards, bags, and gear. They even have online courses to get you calling like a pro. Check out everything they have to offer at slayercalls.com and call the wild. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Precision Edge Taxidermy. Owner and operator Hunter Friesen from Stetler, Alberta puts outstanding craftsmanship into every mount to turn your most memorable stories into conversation pieces for your home. Precision Edge does everything from Euro mounts to anything big game, along with waterfowl, small game, and everything in between. Next time you connect with a trophy, connect with Hunter at Precision Edge Taxidermy. Find his stunning array of work on display on Instagram and Facebook at Precision Edge Taxidermy and contact him today. Welcome to Alberta Wildlife Stories. Joining me today is Corey Lohr, owner and operator of CND Archery Shop in Roslyn, Alberta. Corey has more in his plate than most. He is a husband, a father of three, runs CND Archery, and still finds time to hunt and fish. He has no shortage of remarkable stories either. 
Corey supports the Alberta community by carrying many local products in his shop and unique companies you won't find anywhere else. I can't wait to get into more details with everything he does. Corey, thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, for sure. I know it's been the uh, same thing, a little bit busy with us both and the hunting and everything you've been getting into recently. And I mean, man, with the, the family life and everything too, yeah, it's all been hectic. So I'm stoked that we can finally sit down and have this conversation for sure. I've been really looking yeah. forward to it. Life is busy, but it's a good busy. I wouldn't change it for anything. So I know we've been yeah. trying to look at doing this since June and it's been kind of back and forth. And But uh, <laughs> here we go now, so... Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. And yeah, thanks again too. Cause yeah, I know sometimes I think there's a couple times there that we ended up under the weather. We put our kid into daycare this year and we only have the one son. And man, you guys aren't kidding when people say uh, when you put your kid into daycare at school, get ready to be sick. Cause man, it was like, I don't know how many times in the last few months he brought something home with him or the wife or myself are down and out. But yeah, well, that, that's just it. It don't take much for uh, the little guys to get sick and. When it does, it seems like it goes through the whole house. So, oh, that's the truth for sure. Um, but yeah, I wanted to start by bringing up uh, the shops there. So you've got the shop in uh, Roslyn, and then Doug's got the shop over in Malag, right? You betcha. Yeah, it started uh, out. It was kind of um, well. I got to know Doug through work. Like um, I also am a seed rep for Pioneer as well. I got uh, sell canola seed and stuff. And he was my agronomist. So I got to know him very well through that. And, well, we both really liked hunting and we just hit it off immediately. Doug's a great guy. And it all started back when he uh, offered me a, a bow sight, um, an easy bee. And he phoned one day and he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm shooting my bow. And he's like, oh, right on. How'd that easy bee sight work? I said, actually, I never even put it on. Well, then, if you know Doug, he's a very good forward person and he's just kind of blew up on me you put that on your bow and shoot it well i put it on and give it a whirl and i haven't uh stopped shooting it since but from there <laughs> yeah our friendship kind of grew and then we both um were shooting expedition for a number of years now and he's been the shop themselves and you know we weren't looking at starting a shop but um good friend of mine and stuff we run the um, heisler archery club and been bow hunting since yeah years and years and years now and it just kind of fired up that way where doug phoned one day he's like i have an opportunity and i said really like what what's that and he well do you want to start an archery shop and i'm looking at the way my life is right now like i have no time for that i'm farming i'm running a seed company i got three boys and they're all in hockey. I'm playing hockey. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if I have this kind of time, but you know, it was an opportunity a guy can pass up and I'm couldn't be happier with, with doing it. So yeah, we put up a shop in Rosen. We've just been open for over a year and he's got one in the leg and we've been having a lot of fun doing it. We've met through the shop. We've met some amazing people and it's just been a very grateful year. We're very excited to be open. Yeah. That's too cool. And you definitely uh, you touched on like probably three or four things I wanted to definitely get into a little bit more detail in here. Um, one of them, like, I mean, even just to go right back to when, when you were talking about the EZB site, like that kind of goes into uh, a lot of the stuff you guys carry that, yeah, you really don't find a lot of other places. I'm not even sure. I know 
you're the only uh, Canadian seller of Expedition bows, but uh, I don't know if I've even really seen EZVs on shelves very much uh, around any of the other shops. But uh, yeah, what what got you into like really enjoying the EZV? Like, was it the Target Panic stuff or? Well, it's actually like I shot pretty much every site under the sun. Like um, my last site I had just before the EZV was a single pin slider. Like, mm-hmm. and, and it's the thing, like every, every site you can shoot, you can touch all your arrows, no matter what distance, but the EZV, what it separates from everything else and why I use it. And I, I love it is it's a bow hunting site. Like mm-hmm. I've spot stock mule deer. I've shot, elk moose whitetail mule deer all the way up to coyotes chickens gross like you frame it and you claim it like if you watch the videos if you've ever checked it out it's just one of those things it looks gimmicky um doug's good buddy is what got him into it he uh, came up moose hunting to canada back in the day and he had his pin sights and all of a sudden uh bull moose comes in and his Aaron, who's uh, the owner of the EZV, he's from uh, Montana. And all of a sudden, this moose, you know, being so big, he thought it was 40 yards. Puts his 40-yard pin on it, didn't have time to range it, and shot low. So there's different stories Aaron will tell you how it goes through and how he ended up designing this thing. But, yeah, he kind of came up with it because there should have been a better way. Like, you know, there's um, – I've tried that Garmin as well. Um stuff like that it's the same idea like you know you arrange it it changes your pin for you you don't have to do stuff like that it just kind of touches the button but i've had it where it ranged the buck bush in front of that elk and i've shot low so there's different different pros and cons to uh different sites and i stand true with that easy v like my antelope we'll get into that later i if i didn't have that site i wouldn't have shot that antelope this year really like i i stand trusted with that site like that's why it never leaves my bow i went to um 3d shoots with it i quite enjoy it like that's i'm sold on it and i i'm owning a shop i could run any site i want and that's the one i believe in yeah that's cool man it's it's really uh it's something like i'm i'm honestly probably gonna have to talk to you about about this a bit more too like in in the future because i think i'm gonna look at something like that because for Myself personally, like I thought maybe I would like a single pin slider more because like of just having that vertical pin instead of having the pins coming like horizontal from the side. And then uh, what I realized like recently when I kind of dove back into traditional shooting and shooting my recurve more and trying to get out with that, uh, something that really kind of dawned on me, which I don't know, this might sound... I don't know, a little goofy, but like what I really like with the EZV is like you were saying too, like you just get that whole sight picture and everything again too. Like it really opens that up. And something I've really re- realized is like right now I'm running a three pin site and yep. I run like I, I never really liked a five pin just because it got so crowded. Like I really like to be able to have a bit more sight picture and everything there. But uh, what I'm starting to realize through um, traditional recurve is like, man, when you don't have a site and you're just looking at basically what you're like at the intended target or like you know when people argue about whether there's a thing such thing as um, intuitive aiming or whatever it is instinctive aiming right um what i find is like 
those three pins are actually like on a compound bow are so damn close together usually. Yep. Like people don't even realize like how subtle of adjustments they're truly making um, to shoot, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 yards. It's not like, you know, I think people might sometimes have the misconception that they're like really lobbing an arrow, like they're shooting like some old English guy over some great wall or something like that. Maybe if yeah. you're bombing an arrow past like a hundred yards or something, you're maybe really tilting up like that. But in all reality, they're, they're pretty subtle um, pinpoint adjustments that go like an extra 20 yards an extra 40 yards right uh yeah so i think that's kind of interesting with that easy v2 because it just has the notches on the sides right and then it's like yeah i, I don't know i don't know really how to get it but i'm really interested in trying one because of just that like it's it seems like it simplifies things like that garmin one's pretty darn expensive in comparison probably to the easy v and stuff too like yeah that's the nice thing yeah. about him is like a lot of sites out there like this is uh, $220 site and it's not mm-hmm. your bow and what I like about it is because it's made for every archer um, mm-hmm. if you're shooting a bow that's say 200 feet per second well there's inserts because when you buy the site it comes with from 200 feet all the way up to 300 feet per second Right. so a lot of guys don't understand too is when they're like oh yeah my bow is shooting 340 feet per second they bring me their bow we shoot through a chronograph and I'm like oh you're only 270 well my bow says it's supposed to shoot this fast I'm like yeah. no with your hunting arrow with the way you're set up this is how fast your boat is actually moving. Um, so yeah. what I like about it more is um, it gets archers. You're staring exactly at your target. So that low light situation um, where you're focusing on that pin, you actually lose the target behind it a lot of times. So with the V, it just opens up right down the middle. And you still have your ticks. You still have your 20 yard, your 30 yard, your 40 yard like on mine because it's uh, 300 uh, feet per second insert. I've got mm-hmm. 20 all the way to 80 and right. I shoot that site all the way to hundred yards with confidence. Um, like my antelope, I took it at 70 yards. Um, I shoot long distance with it. A lot of guys are like, Oh, it's, you know, I get it if you were shooting close, but I, I shoot long distance with it. And I'm very, very confident in that site. Well, pretty much <laughs> just from this alone, I'm pretty much sold on that. Cause I've been looking at some, like all these different options, right. And the easy V really caught my eye for a while. And then, yeah, it's nice to just hear some like firsthand uh, input from personal use and stuff like that. And, you know, I think maybe just to throw it out there for people listening, if they haven't checked it out, it's worth checking out the easy V site, but to kind of explain what it looks like, like you were saying. So you've got like that same circular, site housing yeah and then within it, yeah it's literally like a v right so it and instead of there being any pins or anything like that it's like if you took like maybe that v for vendetta or something like that just that v shape and you put it right in there and then when you're aiming like you say you're it's pretty much all about like open sight picture because you're actually just looking yep. at the animal and then along each side of the letter v or on each side of the v like exactly like you said Corey, it's got uh, those notches in it for your different ranges, right? Um, and the point to where the range, like when I say I don't need a range finder, say for with my site up to 60 yards, is the point of the V is you're ranging or you're framing it. So like the size of a basketball, yeah. 13 and a half inches. So with a, your typical deer, your mule deer, your white-tailed deer, I'm framing up that front leg right to the back of the rib cage. And that's where that V falls right into place like every uh site you get you get um 
um, a sheet of paper that shows you how to frame that animal. And um, you put it on your target and it gives you kind of an idea. And also with Grizz targets, they uh, they actually got um, a face too on their targets now that you can order it with uh, the EZV. So it helps guys, you know, sight their sights in. It's pretty nice. But like with, uh, say, guys will ask me a lot of questions like, okay, what's the difference between, I say, okay, your white-tailed doe and your bull elk? Well, I know... I've been using that site long enough now. Like I know the size of a basketball on that, that elk. Like, so when I'm framing them, I'm framing them just a little farther back. And I know exactly, I'm just staring exactly down where I want that arrow to go. And that V kind of fits in there. I know how, where that basketball would lie on that animal. Like I've taken two bull elk now with it and um, a bull moose. And they were both perfect. Like I, they didn't go over 50 Mm -hmm. yards. And I actually was totally unaware of that. I was totally unaware that it was a site that could uh, assist you of being free of a rangefinder that way, that you could just frame it and know kind of the range that way. I actually did not know that was a feature of that. Yep, that's, so, the, that's the main feature why he designed it. He couldn't get a, a timed range. So I'll, I'll step into my antelope for a sec here. Yeah. When he came around the hillside, I didn't have time to range. I was caught in the open. I'm literally standing up without a decoy and... I'm thinking, okay, in my head, he's 55, 60 yards. I draw back and I frame that 60 and it didn't quite fit like where I knew on that antelope, how big that 13 and a half inches, where it would fit, where that bass ball should be on that antelope. And so I bumped it up. I took it right to 70 and I pinwheeled him. But if I no. would have trusted my sight, like a pin sight, I would have shot low. I would have missed. But that was the difference between me harvesting that animal and missing was I trusted that site more than anything. That's so nuts. And like, yeah, exactly. Like the difference between and even like ethically harvesting that animal too, like and yep. having a good shot placement and good shot. Dude, that's super, super cool. Oh man. And how I knew that yep. like on that antelope is I had, um, I built some 2d targets out of, um, plyboard. So yeah. all the vitals are, you know, they're life-size animals. I've got an elk, a moose, a deer. It was actually our original targets when we started the archery club. And then we, uh, I had the vitals all cut out and I put a target in there. So I have an antelope yeah. one I built. So life-size, I had all the measurements out and he's all painted up. So I practiced that V on that antelope. So I knew what my distance is, where that V fits and where it didn't. So that was a practice. Like it's, it's like anything. It don't matter what tool you have. You have to you have to practice with it. You have to know your equipment. Yeah. So that was uh, one thing where I got very fortunate is yeah to have those tools to know where it needed to be. That's uh, that really gets my brain going for sure. For yeah, I, I, and especially like I was saying, just in in relation to um, something that was really kind of taking me back a bit with going back to like a bare bow. Um, again like you know shot that when i was younger like 15 16 and legitimately in like 15 16 years since have not <laughs> shot like a bare bow at all and then when i went back to it here in the last uh i don't know like maybe four months or something like that or a couple months uh the biggest thing that really got me is i put my rangefinder away yep. i stopped like you know and, and I, again i'm not really and i don't know and i could be wrong and i don't know i could catch flack for it or whatever but i'm not totally sold on the the entirety of like instinctive aiming because it's like you're still 
somewhat referencing things or something, you know, like it's not super intuitive or instinctive or whatever, but in the same instance, it's like, I'll go and put like the grizz targets that I have, I'll go and put it like all around my field out on the farm there. And it's like, <laughs> same thing. like I just don't pull up my rangefinder anymore. I just like, okay, well that should be this, it should be that. And, it's, and it is like, in a sense, it is very, you know, instinctive, but I feel like, that's something that would be really enjoyable to shoot on a compound bow as well. Cause it would just kind of bring that little bit of maybe, and again, maybe instinctive is the wrong word for that as well. Cause exactly like you say, you're like framing it perfectly with the, the basketball and having an idea, but I could see just practicing with that being super enjoyable. Cause you'd be really putting it to the test all the time to like, exactly like you say, like to trust it. Right. Um, like you said, you have that trust in that site. But yeah, it comes from that practice of being like, okay, this works. Like, it's a crazy concept. But oh, when I first got it and Doug dropped it off, I looked at it, and to look at the site, you're like, oh man, this thing is so gimmicky. You just yeah. can't wrap your head around it. Like I was a, I was a slider guy. I love mine. And yeah. the last mule deer that I shot at without the EZV, I missed because what happened was, I knew, I've been following this buck, a very very beautiful buck that my buddy ended up harvesting in uh november right after my archery tag was up and he was one of the biggest deer i've ever chased with my bow and he was beautiful and i last day on halloween he was bedded down on the one hillside and i crawled wind was perfect and i'm like okay i know that coolie looks back my hand i went all the way around got down on him i'm like he's gonna be right over this knob i come to draw i stand up over the knob and he's not there and i look over and he was such a big body, big frame deer that he looked so much closer than he really was. And in my head, I'm like, oh, he's 30 yards. I put my 30 yard pin on him and I cut hair or I moved my slider to 30 yards and I shot. I didn't have time to range. He's staring me broadside and way he went. Like I just missed him. Just like that. Every, all the work I put in for the whole entire bow season, chasing that one animal, that, that was my chance. And I, I blew it because I didn't know the range. I didn't have time to range. So yeah. after I got onto that site and like, same thing, put the target out in the middle of the yard and I would throw arrows all over the place. Okay. You know, I didn't know Ooh. the ranges. I'd move the target. So I didn't, you know, didn't know that tree in the yard, how far it was. I just randomly took it and was, you frame that, that target where it needs to be. And it was dead center every time. Once you knew your insert for your speedier bow, it yeah. was kind of like magic. It was impressive. So then after, you know, you put it to the test and you harvest a couple animals with it and your confidence goes up and yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shoot anything else right now. Wow. And so do you find, um, like, you know, something for myself that I really enjoy about, uh, 3d shooting is that, uh, you start to like guesstimate ranges when you're shooting a target and everything like that. But I really like, you know, when you go and do a 3d loop or whatever, um, because it really gives you that, okay, things don't look as close or as far as you think in the woods. And like you say, based on the size of the animal, it's hard to, you know, gauge that distance uh, like you could maybe if you're in an open field, just looking at how far away your target is, kind of guessing or whatever. Um, you find with like the different sizes and stuff like that and the random, like, you know, could be a dinosaur or whatever, like all the different random animals you can get from 3D shooting. Like, do you find that still really applicable or? Well, not really, because what... Um... If I'm just going to go out and frame every animal, um, mm -hmm. if you know the target or whatever, then that it's easy peasy. But 
if you're still at a 3D shoot and you're still ranging or you know the ranges or whatever, you still have your tick marks to go by. So you still have a right. reference. So okay, you're never completely blind out of the loop. Okay. I don't know the size of that Reinhardt dinosaur target. It's, I, I'm not sure the size of it. And it's in a random spot. Yeah. Like, so you still have, it says it's 33 yards. Yeah. Well, you can pretty much put your tick marks right where you need to be on 33 yards and you're still bang yeah. on. Like, I'm super confident shooting in 3D all the time. Yeah. I wouldn't but, take but, it off to uh, switch to anything else for yeah. targets or for bow hunting. Well, that makes total sense. I just totally <laughs> stop thinking about the fact that you would have a rangefinder and you're not in a rush while you're 3D shooting and you can yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> so no, that makes perfect sense. That, yeah, it would make pretty much no difference when you're shooting at things that are, yeah, like you say, not something you totally frame like a T-Rex or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you betcha. And that's super cool. And then uh, getting into like the expedition bow stuff is actually funny because when I uh, dropped my deer off to hunter over at precision edge there or whatever for like hunter freezing um i know when he was on the podcast he shared the stories of uh you and him with his uh bear hunt there yeah but uh i know when i was there it was funny because he had two bows sitting on his counter and i was like oh is that like because i know he bought your old expedition off you right yeah you betcha and that had the easy V on it. And that was the only, actually, I think that was the only time I've really looked through the easy V in person. And I just kind of held the bow and just kind of looked at the expedition and I was like, Oh, just a super nice bow. But uh, yeah. What got you guys into wanting to carry them and shoot them and everything like that? Well, I was in the market for a new bow and like I've had uh, Matthews and um, APA and, uh, and I've had lots of buddies with Hoyts and stuff, and I'm never downed on a different bow. Like I've liked all the bows I've had. I've had I've shot Bowtech. I've owned Bowtech for years too. And Doug was the one who got me on it. He's like, "Oh, you got to try this bow." So I ended up ordering um, a Mako X when it came out, and that back then it was uh, in 2019. It was the fastest bow they had. And then I ordered um, an Explorer SS, so it was a compact bow. Yeah. And both of them out of the gate, like man were they moving like for the draw cycle the smoothness like the performance of the bow itself like got me shooting it just personally and then the people you deal with the customer service like dealing with gwen with expedition there and hunter they're awesome like good people like when Mm -hmm. have any issues or anything getting parts or getting bows in they've just been really good people to deal with so we, we couldn't be happier be a part of that team but um the bow quality itself, I'm just was blown away because, like, when you're in the market and you know you you don't own a shop, you you want to buy yourself a new bow and you want you want the best, you really do for the best price. Well, yeah. these aren't these aren't breaking the bank, and the quality is ten to one. Like, I love them, so that kind of got me sold. But uh, like, the speeds are up, and yeah, I'm I dropped my poundage actually when I went from my APA to Expedition, and my speed went up. So that was a big part of it. Whoa. But, but in the hand itself, I, yeah, this new stuff, like I just bought um, uh, the brand new one there and it's a shooter. Like compared to level, and, and that's what everybody's got a good bow out there. And it's all depends yeah. on what you like or who you deal with. So like, I'll, I'll never knock anybody else's stuff because everybody's got a good one. But uh, for me, that was, yeah, switching to Expedition was a game changer for me. 
Yeah, and I think that's uh, a really good way to put it because it is really tough to be within, especially the world of like compound bows and archery too. There's so much personal preference that it's so hard to, I think two difficulties are it's hard to take a lot of opinions until you try it for yourself. And then like, yep. like you say, even with Doug being like, yeah, man, try the easy B and it's like, looks gimmicky. And then you use it and all of a sudden it's, you're like, yep, no, okay. <laughs> I like it. Right. But well, there's thing, just so many you'll things. You'll never know until you try. Yeah, that's true. But there's so much and to like, try to do, right? It's like, <laughs> it's daunting. Well, for, for Doug to like the bow, for me to like the bow, we're, we're two totally, we shoot totally two different bows. Um, we like the same company and each for their own way. But Doug's a big, tall guy with long gorilla arms where, you know, I'm five foot eight. <laughs> so like the two bows we're using, yeah, they're not even the same. But uh, I like the shorter stuff. And yeah, he's it. So for us to have personal preference, we both like the same company for the what they do, and but bow to bow, we'll never shoot the same bow, you know, together. So yeah, interesting. That's super cool. So in in your bow right now, what's uh, why don't we go into like a little bit of the specs? Like, do you know the off the top of your head, like the axle to axle length? Uh, the one I'm shooting right now is thirty one. Okay, nice. Uh, my Explore SSs and uh, the Escapes. Like, um, they were 30 and, 30. you know, the, and the nice thing, they changed the new cams too. So I can fit anybody. So if a guy, you know, comes in, tries a bow and he's like, yeah, I really like this bow, but you know, I'm going to give this one to my son and he's got, you know, we can change, you don't have to order mods anymore. And that's yeah. been a huge hit for me. Cause, uh, as a shop, you know, trying to order mods, you know, have mods for every bow and every cam, yeah. it's just kind of been a pain, but, uh, yeah, the, the way the future with them guys right now has made it a whole lot easier for us. And it's been really, really nice. So switching things over, but um, speed wise through the chrono with my hunting setup um, and I'm 500 grains uh, with um, with the air broadheads. And I find that to be the happy medium because I built that, um, that arrow for my antelope this year. And I just kind of kept it for deer here and yeah. uh, it's 310 feet per second. Dang. And what's the draw weight? Uh, I'm shooting 65. Yeah, man, that's really good for a heavier arrow and 65 pound draw weight. Yeah, and that's going to be a half. And, do you, and what's the, what do you have it set to for your length? Uh, 28 and a half. Yeah, man, 28, like that's crazy. 310 feet per second? Like I didn't think, uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive like you don't realize it until you put it through the through the chrono cool. itself dude that's nuts because like even for myself i'm re i'm running like i think like, i had my strings break in so it's like i had it set to 70 and then my strings broke in so i think i'm sitting somewhere at like same thing like maybe 65 or something i don't know i haven't yep. actually like scaled it in a bit um so i'm thinking I'm sitting really similar for draw weight my draw length is like 29 and a half um and I'm shooting like, I think 450 grain arrows, so a little bit lighter. Uh, it's it's just under, I think they're like 447 or something like that. I don't know what I can't remember what it was all the way through. Yep. And through the chronograph for me was like 292 or something like that. I know it was under it was yep. shy of 300, but it blows my mind that like you have at least like an inch shorter draw length, uh, heavier arrow, 
and an extra like <laughs> probably yeah. 10, 10 feet per second at least if not more i find that uh that match for a lot of hunting bows if you build yourself a nice heavier arrow uh, mm. for like energy is that 280 to 295 if you're in that ballpark that's yeah. uh that's a nice shooting bow yeah that's just so interesting though because i i don't know i just really like kind of nerd note on all the arrow math and everything like that and all the weight and yeah this and that was building arrows or your boat tuning and setting it up and stuff and there's so much i could talk to you about with, with that and i know one day i gotta just come to the shop and hopefully be coming to the shop to uh i don't want my, my wife to hear this but set up a new bow or something like that but <laughs> but uh christmas time it's christmas yeah present. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, don't buy me anything. I'll go and get it myself. <laughs> yeah, you betcha. But uh, yeah, no, and yeah, it's just some, it's really cool to talk to you about all this stuff because obviously you guys are super knowledgeable running and owning a, a shop and everything you've done in the past and stuff like that. So it's just well, really. Nice thing is with uh, a lot of people we deal with too is I'm also learning so much more as it as it goes on, like for personal stuff. It's yeah. been awesome, like. Doug himself has been in the industry for so long with archery. He's my guru. Like he is the most knowledgeable person I could have. Like I'm, I'm very thankful to have him as a partner. Cause if there's something that I struggle with or on an older bow or something I've missed, I send him one text and mm -hmm. he's just like, answers right away. Check this. It's like, thank light bulb. Yeah. You betcha. Got her. Thanks. Like he's just wow. awesome to have. And then like, with you know there's always new stuff coming out right so you're constantly learning and that's the best thing is uh you know what setup works best for me ain't gonna be the best setup if you chase bull elk or cons that's that's your thing and that's what you do every day well mm -hmm. i built my 500 grain setup um this year just for antelope because i wanted my setup to be as flat as i possibly could yeah. so uh, make it a longer shot so i was dialed in from 80 in just for that tag wow that's so wild to just even think about that too, just to build something for, yeah, exactly that purpose. Cause I think so many people just will build their hunting bow to like a decent spec and then that's just it. And then, yeah, like you say, to have something flash shooting that you can, yeah, trust that taking a little bit longer of a shot. And especially like that's a hard animal to take a longer shot at too, cause they are not very big. Right. So yeah, you have a smaller window and they're fast. Like, yeah, take much for them. And then, I the biggest thing I was fortunate with why I took that uh, seventy yard shot is the being ethical is there was no wind for some reason yeah. that afternoon down south uh, Tabor there was zero wind so like That's I true. could have been luckier because I've seen a lot of post guys posting of yeah beautiful antelope so happy but man was it windy today so yeah. like could have been more fortunate to have that evening we did yeah well I mean I definitely have. Uh a few other things i want to go over with you here but i mean really if you'd like we could get into that that story because i know it seems like we've been really touching on it so much but and that was yeah. the first like like i said i got i want you to share stories that you want to share and i've like noted down like <laughs> like i said three stories that i'm like i want to hear these like just to mention to other people listening and stuff like that that <laughs> you've got a handful of crazy stories and there's a few that i really wanted to cover but but yeah, why don't we kind of go into it if you'd like to? You betcha. Well, it's one of those things like yeah, when you're making your draws, you're trying to figure out 
what's your year going to look like? And with antelope, you don't know if you get the draw till later. So you're trying to plan with me farming. It's like, okay, the way the crop looked up, like at springtime, looked like the canola was going to be late. It's kind of sat in the ground. And so I'm like, okay, wheat will be early and canola is going to be late. That gives me time to do an archery antelope hunt. Pull this tag. So I did it this year. Got it. And then trying to plan it. And when you're in the middle of harvest or starting harvest, trying to figure things out, it's like, it's hectic. You don't know when you can go. You got three kids at home and you're running a business. It's just like trying to figure out which day to go. And then all of a sudden I was talking to a good friend of mine, Tyler Lang. And I'm like, uh, what's the odds you want to come down with me? He's like, absolutely. He's like, I've got a good percentage of going down antelope hunt and I'm hundred percent every time I went with a friend. So I started mm-hmm. laughing. I'm like, his wife is, uh, was due. They were having uh, a baby on like Friday and we're talking about going out on uh, Monday or Tuesday or whatever it was. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, he, he's not going. There's no way. Yeah. And all of a sudden uh, my buddy that's down South that I got all the permission and stuff from me phones. He's like, you coming up by yourself. I'm like, there's a 99% chance it'll be just me. Tyler phones back 15 minutes later. He's like, yeah, I'm good to go. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, sounds good. So yeah, we saddled up and went down there and met a uh, good buddy Trav down there. And uh, he kind of showed us the rope, showed us the land. And the first antelope we seen, the first buck was a nice one. And he's just like, yeah, there they are. That's our land here. Get at her. So we grab the decoys and we go in. I've never hunted antelope. I've never been fortunate enough to go with anybody else. Like, you know, fall time for me is lucky wow. enough to change things around home, but uh, it, here we go. So got in there, got about 200 yards from uh, one buck and about uh, 20 does. And all of a sudden I just crested the hill and I had this decoy and I have to mention him. Dave Gerber lent me this sheet of ply board. It's a decoy, but it's made out of ply board. And I think they made it back in the early nineties. He was telling me <laughs> and if that thing could talk, I guess like the amount of people that use that is successful. So he drove all the way from Sundry, met me in Bashaw to lend me this decoy. I'm like, yeah, you're like, I'm always trying to buy a decoy and everything's sold out. Cause once you get told you got your antelope tag, you got a, you know, less than a month to plan. So here I go. I got it. And I crest the hill. I stick it in the dirt and this buck just turns. And starts running full tilt at me. I'm not even ready. I don't have an arrow in the quit, like <laughs> in the rest. Nothing. I'm like, look at uh, Tyler. I'm like, he's coming. Like I start yelling. I'm like, he's coming right now. Cause he was kind of <laughs> behind me. With another decoy. He had a Montana. And all of a sudden I like, I'm scrambling. I like take off my sling. I'm juggling around. Look up. He's five feet from my decoy and turns and runs. And yeah. he stops about 40 yards. I finally get ready, draw back. My decoy falls over in the wind. And he takes off and we kind of look at each other and we start laughing. Like, did that just happen? Like we had no idea what, what to expect. Like we were totally behind the eight ball. Like oh. we should actually technically shot my antelope in the first, you know, half hour of hunting. And we were just kind of laughing, walking back. Like, oh, That's like the day's going to be, this is going to be amazing. Well, we did nine different stocks after that and we never got within 150 yards, hundred yards. And everything just took off. We, it was just ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, you go through the highs and lows. You find a new group, got permission. Way you go, start walking. You get almost there. It's a fail. And then you try and figure out all the way back how to do it next time. 
so it was a huge learning curve and then we were kind of down like you know we had a few opportunities and we were kind of planning to hunt the next day too and finally we crested the um, some hunter eight land and there was uh, one uh, doe out there standing by herself. So we're like, oh, okay, looking, well, there's nothing else out there. And so we keep driving and all of a sudden I look back and she's just running a hundred mile an hour. So I stop <laughs> and start blasting again. Well, here comes this buck just chasing her down. So we're like, oh, okay, well, let's go get out. Tyler's kind of standing on one side of the hill kind of all of a sudden that doe stands there like he ended up running into her or whatever and we're kind of right there and i went around the other side of the hill like not expect like we didn't know where they went next thing i know he's standing right there he just walked right on the bottom of the hill i'm like i'm kind of froze i'm standing on this giant knob by myself silhouetted and he's staring me down i'm like okay draw back because i had no time to range him he's staring me right in the eye and framed him at uh 55 60 and i'm like it just that's where that i trust that site so much i just didn't think it fit quite well and i bumped it up to 70 and i ended up pinwheeling like he didn't he didn't go 50 yards he turned and ran as hard as he could and piled up that was it like i was it was such a super high but then we were ecstatic we get this antelope we get him back to the truck and we get him loaded up and tagged and we're all excited and all of a sudden uh we get back to Buddy's land and we're I'm like, I mean, I forgot to take pictures with this decoy for Dave. I, I wanted to send him this, you know, to say thanks and yeah. appreciate it. Well, we go to unload him. His uh, horn catches on the tailgate and snapped it. So oh. know, in the picture, I got this two huge curls and these hooks and then one side's broke off about three inches. So oh, I lost three goodness. inches of horn by trying to get one more picture no with this decoy and because yeah we didn't think of it till after and yeah I, it was kind of a super high to a massive low but yeah that's where hunter comes in so for the mount itself he said he can put her back together we were able to find a bunch of the pieces but i'm missing that beautiful ivory tip that he had on there so yeah but dang man that's crazy i'm sure yeah like I, like you said i'm sure that you, that hunter will be able to do something to to get to do it justice in the mount for sure but yeah that's a i do a low but what a heck of a just a roller coaster to go from well, something I, flying at you five yards from you being like well this is going to be easy to just getting yeah blowing everything out and then yeah well that's the thing what to expect when we got down there we were just all like excited like oh, this is this is amazing this is so much fun yeah like can't wait to get the next tag already we're thinking and all of a sudden yeah well tyler was uh was supposed to apply for his tag the same year but with them expecting he didn't apply this year thinking he wouldn't have time this fall and then we end up going together and i'm glad he came down with me because yeah. hunting with another friend like if i was down there by myself it wouldn't have been near as fun yeah. hopping around to do it but having another guy there with you to experience it and then you gotta share those stories and memories yeah it was a good time yeah, I'm not a good emotion, day. for sure. Yeah, man. And I just remember you sending me that that picture that day, and I was like, oh, you got it done. I was so stoked to see because I think you did mention to me that, yeah, that you were blowing some stuff out and it was, yeah, having some ups and downs. And then, yeah, I just got this picture after. And then, yeah, Hunter sent me a picture too of it when you dropped it off or whatever. And I was just so stoked to see that thing. It was such a beautiful, 
Yeah, I'm pretty grateful that I uh, was able to get that done. So, how, like, did you just put in priority for X amount of years and then just decide to try to pull it one day and, and you had enough priority points? Or, do you, like, how many years did you? Yeah, so I, I had it for 10 years and I was kind of looking at how to do it um, because of harvest. Like, yeah. so if I pull it at the wrong time, and okay, I'm combining from September 1st to September 20th or to the end of the month. I don't get to go. Like the farm comes first and family and stuff. So like yeah. it just worked out that it was, I was planning on my, my hunt to be in between. So it worked out like that happened. I came home two days later, I'm combining. So it couldn't have been luckier to make it happen uh, the first day. Yeah. Yeah. That's... But that was sick. We didn't go down opening day because I was busy here prepping things and stuff too. And buddy phones me. He's like, you're not coming down tomorrow? I said, uh, nope, it'll be Monday. He's like, no, nah, that's pretty ballsy. You want to get out here first day? I'm like, oh, crap. Now I don't like I don't know. I've never hunted them before. So, no. And the biggest thing, what I've sweated about for the only thing in the world that I do not like is snakes. Yeah. Like I will, you put me in a 10-foot room with a bear. I will wrestle my way out of there. But you throw a garter snake in that, that room, I'm going through the wall. I'll be the first one to admit that. that. And so I've been literally sweating about running into rattlesnakes this whole entire time. Yeah. Pulling this tag. Because you were crawling on our bellies. We're going. But I got a bunch of buddies that are like, oh, yeah, don't worry. You'll hear them before you see them. Yeah. Well, I'm legally deaf in one ear. I'm 100% deaf in my left ear. So I'm like, oh, good. Thanks, guys. They're like, oh, yeah, right. You're deaf. So they start laughing. I'm like, yeah. Now I'm really sweating because I can't hear nothing. Yeah. So, and then the day before I leave, I had a good friend, uh, Nolan Shepard, over. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I didn't show you the video of us, our animal hunt last year. He's like, I almost stepped on one. Shows me like this picture of a monster rattler. Yeah. I'm like, oh, good. That, that really put the sweats on then. Yeah. Just makes it perfect so you can't sleep at night at all. Yeah. <laughs> More. Like, jeez. Yeah, I don't know. I have kind of aversion to snakes that way. We have at uh, the in-laws property here in the Bozone that I hunt on quite a bit. Um, they actually, they must have a den of uh, garter snakes. And and just in specific spots of the property, it's it's not like, it's not really all over the place. There's just kind of two spots and there's just tons of them. And yeah, it's kind of tough because you can't really do anything about it. Like they're pretty protected here like you can't move them you can't have like a pest control thing or anything like that so yeah we just see them a lot and usually it's not bad and again it's a garter snake. like it's not gonna it's not like the same as a rattlesnake that's something I, I would be pretty freaked out about just more so if something actually happened um but uh yeah we've had i don't know it, it can be annoying because they've had it where they've like had babies in the greenhouse the one year and are like big kind of greenhouse out there and it was like it's just a, an, a i don't know a plethora of garter snakes coming out of this greenhouse we were pulling them out by the handfuls but we don't need to go into snake stories if you don't want to but yeah well i uh yeah. i was bought and stalking a mule deer about five six years ago and nice buck bedded down wind's perfect i'm within 80 yards crawling if i could just get that next little bit and wait them out well, I had a gutter snake literally go under my bow as I'm sitting there. And I literally jumped Ooh. up and danced 
And <laughs> the deer looked at me like, really? And he took off. I'm like, I can't. Like, and then I'm stunned. I'm like, what just happened? I seen it and I, my body took over. I didn't even know what happened. It just yeah. It. And I'm like, well, that wasted the last two and a half hours. So yeah, <laughs> it was really pissing the guy off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, uh, yeah. One of the other stories there, I was hoping to squeeze out yet. If you want to touch on it, when you and I first spoke, I don't know how many months back, um, when you first came on as one of the supporting sponsors of the podcast, which I haven't even kind of brought up. And I mean, I know I'm pretty sure most people are aware now and the ads are at every, on every episode and during the beginning. But, uh, again, yeah, I really, really appreciate you guys supporting the podcast and everything as well. But, um, when we were first talking there, you shared a story that I just really wanted to put on here. And it was an elk that you had taken with your sons by your side. Yeah, that is literally one of my best memories of hunting ever. Like to harvest uh, an elk period with your bow is, well, anything with your bow is a trophy in my mind. Don't matter mm -hmm. if it's a coyote or a, a doe or a, you know, a 360 bull, it don't matter. Like, anything to a trophy but if you're able to do it with uh you know friends and family and i have three boys my oldest is a diehard hunter he's only seven right now and that's all he wants to do like he's got his bow he shoots 500 arrows a day and wow it just wants to go with me everywhere we go like he we've been in blinds he'll sit there dead quiet for hours and hours on end and my second oldest, he really wants to start going. And it just, I, I really enjoy that I'm able to take my kids. Like, if I was slipping out hunting my, by myself, my wife would be like, no, not happening. Mm -hmm. But when I take two to three boys with me, they're like, she's like, yeah, see you later. <laughs> I'll see you at <laughs> yeah, Pretty easy equation for sure. You would get home. Yeah. If you're taking the boys, not a problem. Yeah. You have all the fun you want. So, well, with the bull elk, me and uh, a friend of mine, we took his son on opening day. We kind of were, you know, kind of hiking around and seeing if we can actually run into some elk. And we were fortunate enough to run into a little herd. And there was a nice bull that uh, I seen and prior and tried to make a stock on him. And it didn't pan out or whatever. And so busy again that next day in harvest. And uh, we finished up that day early. And I had my boys at that time were five and three. And I looked at Demer, I said, you want to go uh, set up a camera and see if there's any elk? He's like, yep. Well, then my second oldest at the time, Cooper, was like, he just broke down. He wanted to go so bad. I'm like, oh, man, he's three years old. His legs are little. I'm like, okay. I'm like, if you want to go, let's go, buddy. So we saddled him up, put his camo on, and like the pants are like, everything's just swimming on him. But he's so pumped to go with his brother. So, like, Denver's explaining the whole time we're on our way there, eh, how things work. You got to be quiet and you got to hang <laughs> on to dad's hand. You got to, like, he's talking away. And, like, it's just, it's just so awesome. And then all of a sudden we get there, I sit up a little, I drop my backpack and we we're just putting a camera up. And there was a bunch of white tailed deer kind of in this hay. And I'm like, you guys see the bucks? And yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few little white tailed bucks and some does. I lay him down on my backpack, using his pillow, just relaxing on the grass on the side of this kind of hay field. And little doe comes up, and I'm like, I got Cooper. I'm like, see the doe? And she 
walked almost right past us. His eyes were so big. I like, should I call an elk in? Like, there was no elk in there. We have such small elk herds around us. Like, to see one in a year is very far from few. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah. So I rip out a little juvenile bull call and uh, start chirping a little bit. Well, I look up. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Here comes a young six-point bull across Buddy's wheat field. I'm like, pick my kid up. I'm like, the youngest one. I'm like, Coop, you see the elk? He's like, yeah. I should I call him in? He's like, yeah. So I cow call, chirp a little bit. He comes down to the slough right beside us and just starts trashing. I look over my shoulder to look at Denver. He's sleeping, absolutely snoring. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is not happening. Like, I'm going to try and shoot this elk now because I got my kids. And I see yeah, the oldest one snoring away and my youngest one sitting there squeezing my leg. So all of a sudden, he called him across, walks right in front of us at 30 yards. And I looked down at Coupon, should I shoot him? He's like, yeah. I'm already at full draw, and that's where I trust that bee because I had literally one kid squeezing me, and he had my rangefinder, so I couldn't do them any movement or anything to get it or do it or he'd like it was just yeah frame that bee and smoked him. He went over about fifty yards and piled up right for us, and then reality sets and it's like, holy crap, just shot in elk. Look at Cooper, his eyes are as big as saucers. <laughs> Look at Denver. He's sleeping. I picked Denver up and I'm like, well, it's like shaking a baby. I'm like, buddy, we just shot an elk. And he's just like, meh, like I'm sleeping. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and all of a sudden he sees that we shot an elk. Cooper's like, elk, elk. And away we go away. And yeah, it was pretty exciting. And to where it all happened with two young kids, I literally call my uh, cousin there, my dad's cousin, I guess, uh, Gord. He comes out, loads them up on a winch. Right into the truck. It was right there, not far off. It was all easy to have three kids. Like, you know, you shoot a bull elk and it runs back into this thick, heavy bush. Yeah. Well, now you got work to do. Yeah. Well, it couldn't have been any better. And then the memory with them, like, we drive by that place today. They were five and three. And they, like, that's where dad got the elk. I'm like, you know, they just remember that still. So, like, so super exciting for me. And then, you know, we've been hunting with my oldest. He was two and a half years old when I, got my bull moose like we've been doing it for yeah since he was old enough to walk on his own pretty much i was i've been taking him Uh, but uh that allows me to get out more so as long as they're willing to go i'm willing to take them and that's so inspiring honestly because and i know this might be a long shot but i actually think i might try to take my son now once at least once this year with me because of that and he's the best part is you don't have to be successful to be successful. Yeah. Like my best days in the blind are seeing two does, but the boys are so pumped that the deer are right there, walk by at 10 yards. They come mm-hmm. home and they're telling their mom that they seen these deer. And like those days are good days. It don't matter the one day. Well, the night I got home from my antelope hunt, the boys wanted to go hunting so bad. So I'm like, let's go sit in the blind. It poured rain that evening, poured rain. Like we got in, sat there, they had a nap for two hours, get up and it's pouring rain. I'm like, well, we might as well go home. Well, the time we walked back to the house, they were just soaked, but they, they loved it. They weren't one bit upset. Like it was, it was a nice evening out. That's so inspiring. And you know, what's funny too, because again, I don't know if it was back in 
June is probably in June when you first told me that that story. So, and you know, like I've legitimately myself, like I wanted, you know, all the listeners and stuff to, to hear that, but even to hear it again myself, it's like, it was as good as the first time I heard it. I was like, it's such a freaking great story, man. It's like, yeah. Even to hear it twice. I'm like, I, I would still even go back and listen to the podcast again myself and just to hear that one again. Cause it's just so, I don't know. It, it, it's a testament to, you know, like, it's so many things like how good of a, a hunter you are to be able to pull that off with you know a five and a three-year-old by your side um how awesome of like a family unit you guys have and how awesome of a father you are to basically take your kids out that are that young and 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 like you said it was pretty nonchalant going to maybe go hang a camera up or just go for a walk in the woods together and then you know even because that's kind of the age like my son is now around three and i know what it's like that like you said when you know, they have like a bit of a breakdown or whatever. It's hard. They don't know how to regulate their emotions and stuff. Right. So, you know, he's kind of having a meltdown. So, okay, you're, he's going with you too. And the next thing you know, it's just like an absolute picture, perfect opportunity, like basically a gift out of nowhere of this elk coming in. And then exactly like you say, like you take the elk and then there's, it's like an effortless harvest too. It's just, it's surreal, man. It's just, that's such a surreal story. Like it's so cool. Oh, it's one, it'll never, never, ever leave my mind. It was the best memory I could have hunting, like to do that. And, and I, there's so many with the boys, like I've hunted, you know, my whole life and I've got tons of memories with, you know, with my dad and tons of friends and I've got tons and tons of good memories, Mm -hmm. but now the ones with the boys are just, they're next level. Like, and as older. I won't be shooting. <laughs> It'll be them. I'll, I'm hoping they take me hunting when I get old because, you know, that's kind of the way it is. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll get big and all of a sudden, like I used to hunt so much with my dad and, you know, we, we haven't hunted together in, in years. So yeah. I hope I uh, train them well enough that they take me out later. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah, and I think they absolutely would. And especially how you know, inspired it sounds like they are to get out and do it. And that's just, uh, well, it's funny. Yeah. Like in the morning, we're going to go bird hunting or we're going hunting. I walk into Denver's room and I'm like, it'll be like four 30 in the morning, be dead asleep. And I'm like, Hey bud, you want to go hunting? Yep. Yep. And he pops up, his eyes are closed. I said, okay, get dressed. And he's got his eyes closed still. And he's trying to get dressed. <laughs> so <we> don't miss. <laughs> And that, that's my oldest. My other two are like, I'm like, hey, boys, you want to go hunting? No. no. <laughs> the morning, they're not hunting, guys. They, they'd rather sleep in. But my oldest, he won't miss it. Um, but I have a quick, uh, um, the one of the owners of Chris Targets, he had a mule deer tent. And I told him, I said, I seen a nice mule buck out here in this one field. Uh, I said, meet me out here in the morning and we'll walk in. So, of course, in the morning, I got two kids that are up and they want to go so bad. I said, okay, get dressed. Let's go. So Matt meets me on the road and I said, okay, we ready till legal light. And we started walking in down this fence line to this one bush area. I said, I'm pretty sure they always bed up in this, this slew bottom I said, you go ahead of me and I'll walk in with the boys. Well, Matt's walking in and we both had mule draw that year. And I said, he's going to be right in the slew bottom. So you guys get it or get ahead. And well, there he was. And Matt gets up to the one fence post, makes a good shot on this deer. But he kind of went into this willows. I said, okay, I'm going to put the boys here on this fence line. 
you go to the field side and I'll walk in the bush side and we'll see he's got to be laying in here somewhere. All of a sudden, both my boys start screaming like, dad, dear, dad, dear. Denver's yelling, fuck, dad, fuck. I yell at Matt. I said, Matt, do you see anything? He's like, no, just a white-tailed doe. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Well, here, this deer went right between us and jumped the fence completely over top of these two boys, right where they were sitting. No way. Like, he said it went right over top of them. He said it looked like a reindeer. <laughs> like, he just soared <laughs> over the fence. And they were just tucked right by this fence post this whole time. And today, like, we drive by that spot, like, and we ended up getting, like, that deer didn't go very far. He was right there. And we got him. And it was a beautiful buck. And, but it was a, it was a great day of the family. And then Matt had his boys come out and meet us. And then it was a big family thing. And yeah, it was awesome. But mm-hmm. uh, we drive by those spots with the kids. And yeah, that's where we got Matt's deer. Like, they remember everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, oh, that's so, it's so cool when you can get your family, like, just involved with it like that. Like, and I know I've mentioned it, um, like, before in, previous episodes and stuff too but it's just interesting like you said like how it sticks with them like when they were younger and then like you drive past the spot and it's just like instantly like that memory comes to their mind because you know even like i said just with my one son now and he's just about three but it's like even with the boat like every now and then he'll come up to me and he'll be like do you want to go fishing like to me he'll say like can we go fishing and it's like that's yeah. such an awesome thing to hear as a dad. <laughs> it's like I've taken him out a couple times, just him and I on the boat. He was like when he was young, when we'd be like when we were camping and stuff, even this past summer, like he wife can hang out at camp and just enjoy kind of a quiet morning and him and I will go back the boat in and go cruise around the lake for a little bit till till he's bored and wants to go back in, even if it's just for a short little cruise or whatever. But the fact yeah. that you know, like five months later or something like that when we haven't been out in a while or something it like out of nowhere will come to his mind like he could be playing with toys or doing whatever you know and then all of a sudden it comes to his brain and he's like we should go fishing and that's like yeah <laughs> you're right <laughs> we should yeah and then same thing with like that that deer from this year too he's just this year he really made the connection of like the food on his plate and everything like that and it's just been so cool to see like it, you know We'll have some family over or something to eat some of the deer or something. And, you know, halfway through the meal, he'll be like, oh, yeah, this is deer. Like, this is the deer dad shot or whatever. And it's just so cool that he, like, makes that connection that that's what he's eating. and He's aware of it, even at just three years old or whatever. You know, it's almost three. Yeah, it's so cool to see how they develop. When they enjoy it and they're asking to do it, it's just like, yep, I'm doing it. I'm doing it right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you. it's it's like a... Moment I got my uh, wife who I love dearly, but she absolutely hates hunting. <laughs> she's <laughs> the total polar opposite when it comes to hunting. Like she's just like, don't care. I uh, come home, tell her a story. The boys were trying to tell her a story. I'm like, you got to start loving it at some point. You got three boys that'll be doing it. She's like, <laughs> yeah, do it with you. I ain't doing it. Don't care. Like, and she like comes to eating so like my elk steaks and my elk roast. She's like, nope. Don't care. She's a beef girl. Grew up uh, in the cattle industry, and she's just like, right. no, nope, I like my, I like my steaks. Like uh, I'm, I'm a beef. But when uh, she like, she'll love the sausage and the jerky and the pepperonis and stuff like that now. And the, the more I've been eating it with her the last ten years, she's starting to wean on it a bit. But yeah, I get a kick out of it. She's just like, you know, September first. By September 3rd, she's like, God, I hate hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not so much because I do it, but that's all my 
kids want to do. Like my son, oldest one, he has a hunting blind he built for geese. And he sits out there just to call geese. And he's got like five decoys out there beside on the edge of our wheat field. No one just, just sits out there on his own time. Brooks, like, that's all he wants to do. Like, you got to come home and deal with this kid. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's what he's out there doing. Then he's good. Leave him be. <laughs> Man, that is so awesome. And that's a valuable skill. Like, that's a, you know, that's a really valuable thing to know how to do, regardless of it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can call geese better than I can, so. Dude, that's hilarious. Well, on the uh, notion of family and the kids, that was another one that I wanted to bring up was these recent photos you just sent me with this mule deer, this 2023 mule deer. Yeah, that one, uh, Cooper wasn't with me when I arrowed him, but he was with me when he tracked him. Um, yeah. What happened kind of fast um, was kind of leaving a farmer's place and I hunt uh, hunt his land and I was coming back through, spotted a bachelor group of bucks. And again, it happened when I had all my stuff with me and decided where they were, where the wind was. Like it was, uh, it was an opportunity. So I got out, made the crawl down the fence line and... That's where that V comes in. As soon as you crest that coulee, well, now I'm a sitting duck. I'm silhouetted at the top of the hill, and they're right at the bottom. Yeah. And there was four bucks that, you know, made them look really big. Like, there was four smaller bucks, and he stood there, nice wide four-point. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's definitely that big old guy. And framed him. And same thing. He was quartering to me a bit, and I framed him about 50 and I know I made a good shot, but the way he turned, you know, just he turned um, to the arrow and not away from the arrow. So then I got hesitant. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I should just leave. Like he went into a thick area, but in that coolie, if you bump him, he could be anywhere. And then yeah. you really have a hard time tracking him and whatnot because it's so thick in there on the bank side. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give him some time. I'm. I know I made a good shot, but there was no blood going up to that bush line. So I'm like, frick, did I, you know, then you get, you get hesitant, right? Like in, in your mind, you know, you made that, that kill shot shouldn't be far, but it was only, you know, 20 yards to the bush line. So I didn't want to, so I left him, I backed out and I went back first thing in the morning and Cooper was with me and he tracked, I could see him already once we got in there and yeah, I let Cooper. Coop go look for him. So it was exciting for him because all of a sudden, like, you can see the deer. You know you got him. Going to go deal with him. But having the kid who's, you know, three feet tall walking through the grass, all of a sudden he's like, his eyes get real big. Like, dad, dad, he's right there. And cool. we get to go up and get him. So, you know, the oldest one was in school and the other one was still sleeping when we left in the morning. Yeah. But, yeah, another another memory. You get to deal with, it with him. So you get his picture taken and yeah, like I didn't even get a picture taken with me with the deer. I just took him with the kid, and he's yeah, <laughs> pumped and come home and got him all cleaned up. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I just yeah, I even like that. Even just you know to let him go and find it, like you say, like it's just so cool to even just a good experience for them too. Whether or not he gets to you know maybe see some blood or track some like anything like that, but it just. All of that is so much more of a learning experience than maybe people realize like at the time or in the heat of the moment or whatever. But like you said, those are unforgettable memories that they're going to have their entire life, you know? And then, yep. you know, when it comes the time for them to 
harvester animals and stuff like that, it'll be like it'll be like second nature them to them or second nature to them. Like they'll already pretty well, you know, know what. To That's do. why push and get all my tags filled that I've all my bucket list stuff in the next uh, five years. Because as soon as Denver turns of age, it'll pretty much just be we'll be hunting for Denver. Then Cooper will be right behind him, and then all of a sudden. Uh, it'll be 10 years before I shoot another deer. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, speaking of which, um, that actually, this was the last one on my list of things that I wanted to cover. So if there was more after that, by all means, we'll feel free to share. But uh, I know that last trip of yours is a bucket list hunt that you were just on. And it was um, unsuccessful in a harvest, but still seems successful in the trip out and everything but uh that sheep hunt that you just went on uh, what was that a couple weeks ago now or a week or two ago uh yeah it'd be a few weeks ago now yeah um i've been going well for me just way like back before you know it was just farming and doing the seed thing um we used to have pressure trucks and tank trucks uh as a family business um between dad and i and stuff and Never got it, was able to get out. Like that was our busy season. Dad was busy on the farm and I was busy on the trucks and it was just always something I wanted to do. But if you don't have that, um, kind of that guy to get you started or that, that original, that push. And for me, it, the reality set in when a good friend phoned, he's like, Hey, you want to go sheep hunting? Yes. Yes, I do. I've been wanting to go sheep hunting for years. It's just, how do you get into it where do you start you know you got to have that kind of that uh that guidance yeah. well uh, me and Tyler went out we we planned this whole big backpack trip our very first year and that was an experience we didn't know we were totally green it was his first my first and we went out about four years ago five years ago and it it was an experience we our goal was to find sheep that was our goal we didn't plan on oh if we you know we're gonna go kill a ram no our our goal was to go out and find sheep and be out there for eight days and we did it and it was awesome and we learned so much on you know just even where to camp and where to set up and how to do it and where to glass it, every trip on its own has been amazing but then from there i have uh really really good friends um the ramsteads they've been sheep hunting for years like where we go like their dad's been going out there since 84 like they've all that whole crew that they go with have all got their rams and they were very i was very fortunate that they asked me to go like i was supposed to they've asked me to go in the past but you know with harvest and stuff it just never works well i finished up combine in the one year and kyle asked me he's like you want to go i said absolutely you tell me when how where so we took the horses and from then we've been going every year with horses I actually bought horses again wow. just to go like you know like i've had horses of my whole life and i haven't had any in the last while and like yeah it's been it's an addicting, addicting thing. It's an expensive thing, yeah. but that's, that's it. I just want my one and I want to try and get it done before my kids get too busy. Like um, they're all in hockey and my life gets put on hold for a while. So I want to try and, you know, make that attempt is, and I, I'm very fortunate to have the wife I do that does let me go out. I'd be kind of, you know, it's it's a lot of work, you know, for me to go out and hunt, but it's a lot of work for her at home, too, with uh, three young boys that are, are super busy. Yeah, you so, very fortunate that I uh, was able to slip out the last three years on horses for, like, last year, you know, you go for two weeks, and 
but it's not all about harvesting. Like you say, it's, yeah. it's a trip out there. Like you get out there and every sheep hunter knows like, or any elk hunter out West or mule deer hunter, it don't matter. You get in the mountains. It's just a different, different place. It's, it's amazing. Like you just, it's like a reset button. I call it like my whole year I hit reset when I get out there. Like it's just, it's amazing. The views, the, the work that goes into it. Uh, it's just really surreal when you get out there. It's so true. And I mean, the, the photos and stuff that you sent me from that, when I think again, we were talking about, okay, yeah, well, we got time for the pot or whatever. And then you sent some photos when you were, when you were back in town and man, like some of those views and everything were just incredible. And I couldn't agree more when you say like the mountains are kind of a reset like that. My uh, wife's parents grew up in, in Belmont, just, you know, right after Jasper, as soon as you get into BC there. Yep. Um, and we go out there, well, with, you know, over the past few years and everything, things got really hectic and stuff. So we didn't go, didn't get out there as much as we want, but we tried to at least go like once a year, almost out to Belmont. And what's really nice about it out there is like, you know, you go through Jasper and it's so touristy and there's just so many people on every hiking trail and everything like that. Like you go to the mountains for that reset, but it's hard to get that reset when it just feels like you're in the zoo of, you know, society still or whatever. Um, and then, you know, you got that, that extra hour past Jasper or whatever it is to get into Belmont. And it's like, all of a sudden there's just nobody there. And then you go into, you know, Canoe River and up into uh, Basket Lake and stuff like that. And you get up into the mountains and there and stuff. And it's exactly, it's the same thing. It's just so untouched and it's just, it, it, I don't know the tour, the tourism aspect of like Jasper and Banff and stuff kind of blows my mind that like so many people want to like experience the outdoors, but still know that they're like around like 300 other people just in case for some reason or something that's like maybe a safety net or something about being around other people that like, if you, if they just spread out a little bit, it's like, it's so incredible when you like yourself, you're taking horses into the back country and you're like going to a place that is so you know, isolated. I mean, you, you may, maybe, maybe, I don't even know if you would, where you are like run into anybody else or anything like that. Um, like hunting. Well, I'll do one. Actually we've run into, there's, um, obviously a guide in the area. Yeah. Um, that they're very familiar with that. Um, they're good people. We, we've visited with him a bunch. Um, like the rat ramps, crew and stuff. They know them very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've got a fortune enough to run into him the last two trips. Uh, they weren't in there the one trip we were in. But uh, rather than that, you see him, you know, like if you ride past your camp and stuff and stop yeah. in and say hi. But we ran into him on the trail once. And yeah, yeah. The, how, how many days we've been out there. But uh, we ran into, funny, I'll bring this up. We're riding it or uh, driving down the road and we're talking and stuff and we were like, oh, I wonder where uh, Steve Eklund goes hunting. No kidding. You know? <laughs> it seems like that guy knocked down some big rams. Like, where does he go? Blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, you know, we're riding into one area um, separate from where we usually go. And come down the one hill and go to hop back on the horses. And here comes a guide and this other, this hunter. And I look at him, like, start laughing. And I'm like hey, you look way older in person. And he just laughs. <laughs> yeah. Like they were, they were heading out and we were heading in and yeah, he was on his 14 day hunt, just finishing up. And, but yeah, it was kind of funny. It's like, but that's the only people we've ever seen that I've been out there, but 
That's too funny. It's weird how you get that like that inkling in your brain. It's like you have this radar or something you don't know about, and all of a sudden you're like, I wonder where he goes, and it's like we're about to run right into him. But... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like everybody asks you, so wh where do you go sheep hunting? It's like the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but like where? Like the West ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's something. And I, yeah. And every, every sheep hunter is going to have a little bit of uh, like tight lips that way. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, and that's not something even through, <laughs> through this uh, podcast, I like I even mentioned to people, you know, like, we can edit everything if you accidentally say something and we you want it out of there or whatever. Because <laughs> it's like I'm not trying to do this to be giving away any honey holes or people to be sharing things like that or whatever, right? But but yeah, no, it is it's it's incredible once you get back there. Like I, I even since I was a kid, anytime I went through the the mountains or anything, it, it's exactly like you say. There's something about it that it's such a reset being there that yeah. And it's really humble, well, right? Like it, it just went up one bull and it was just a beautiful day we've seen three grizz you know we've seen some mountain goats on the way in and out wow. and it was it was just a good day and the sun's out and we we're going to be back to camp early we glass 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 there was nothing up in that area and down this one creek riding through there was some fish hop off and spend a half hour fly fishing like it was just best day ever yeah. there's one spot where you go there's a lake on top of the mountain it's like you get up in there and it's, it's literally you're almost fishing on top of the world and there's nobody up there wow it's just the greatest place i've ever sat down it's yeah. just mind-boggling how how amazing it is so you think the same kind of thing when you're when your kids are older you'd be planning on taking them on a big trip like that to go up and do that that would be an absolute goal if that all planned out so yeah. we'll see you know that's the thing all of a sudden the kids get their lives get busy as well and if you know the hockey and yeah. stuff like that in school if it works out and they want to go i'd be more willing to take them one day so yeah. just to experience that even if it was just one trip and if they you know wasn't their thing after that not a problem but for we were talking about that with um the guy I go with like his son is uh is his youngest child out of four and He's just about wrapping up high school, got a year or so left. And, wow. you know, it's like he'll be going, you know, and it won't be long, you know, 10 years from now, Derek's 17. So yeah. it'd be a pretty cool trip. Like, you know, it don't take long. And all of a sudden, like, I used to bow hunt with a guy, and he's like, oh man, I would never hunt with kids. Yeah. Well, I haven't, I haven't hunted with him since Denver turned uh, three. Because <laughs> <laughs> I started hunting with Denver with him. Cause that was his attitude. I'm like, that's why I hunt. I, I, I can figure a better thing to do with them. Yeah. It's not about being successful and harvesting a big animal. It's about the memories you make. And there was uh, I learned a long time ago about, uh, I didn't shoot a white tailed deer for five years. Yeah. You know, I chased the elusive 170, 180 white tail. We just don't have those deer where I live. Yeah. And you know, we, we have mature bucks. Like I got, was fortunate enough to get one um that scored quite well in non-typical white tail with a bow but uh you know most of our big mature deer here are 160 deer yeah that's just the genetics we have and you know that's still a good deer I, that's still not a bad you know, yeah no no, no but like back in the day like oh i was a wanted to you know big horn hunter i wanted to shoot a big big deer and 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 yeah. i passed on 
quality deer and making memories and all that stuff and five years of not harvesting an animal to all of a sudden making a great story with a good friend uh well one of the ram sets again yeah take a deer of my first whitetail mount he was just a 165 whitetail it was a beautiful buck and the story we had of him i got him mounted because of the story and then we started talking and as those guys are getting older they were the same way but then we started you know it's like we went from doing that to just harvesting mature bucks picking out a mature buck and harvesting mature buck but it's all about the memories you make doing it so that's the best part because now my mentality changed now i harvest the deer every year but i try and do it the kids are good friends or you know it's the memories i made doing it my wife is actually mad about that because i've got a lot of mounts and lucky for hunter (laughs) (laughs) because i went back to shooting deer because you know and getting a mounted because of the memory yeah yeah that's too cool well that's just it right that's what you want to like when when you look at those mounts on the walls and stuff and you have someone over and it's i don't know people aren't just like oh like nice buck or whatever right it's like there's a whole story behind it right like that oh, yeah. like it becomes a conversation piece right it's not just a amount at that point it's exactly that it's you're telling every story of every single thing on the wall right but... there was a, a good cartoon i seen the other day of an old guy sitting in his chair and he had all his mounts on his wall but he looks up at him and then like he's got that you know the balloon memory of the actual hunt i said that's going to be me when I'm older, like that's all at the end of the day, that's all we have is our memories. Yeah. Once you get to do things and you can't physically go out and do them or, you know, just life happens. It's just, you want to look back at that and that, that day pops up, you know, that's, that was a good day. That's why, yeah, uh, that's why you got it done. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think, I mean, when it comes to material stuff, like who knows what we take with us when we uh, depart from, you know, our lives and stuff, but, uh, one thing's for sure. And that's like, exactly. Like you said, it's going to be your memories probably, you know, or whatever, like at the end of it, it's going to be all the memories that you have and all the moments. Right. So, so you're going to be, you know, getting out there and doing it. And I just really, I don't know. I take a lot of inspiration from you doing that. Um, I look up to you for like getting your kids out and doing that. Cause like you say, there's, a, there are a lot of guys that are like, I won't hunt with kids and stuff like that. And they've, you know, seen and heard it from a lot of, just people and stuff around and I know that I was like you know once my son's old enough and wants to like I want to take him for sure and you know when you're talking about your kids it's like you know I think I could probably pull it off at least for you know a shorter evening sit or something like that and at least to well see what he here's says. what I do to keep my middle one quiet and not whine or anything it's not like they just sit there for four hours in a blind yeah. I do use my phone. Like my kids love going through all our old pictures. Like I got like 5,000 hunting pictures, kid pictures, hockey pictures, everything on my phone. Yeah. My kids love flipping through that. Yeah. Well, to flip through a picture, it's quiet. Like it's just something for them to look at and yeah, kind of let the time slip away. But, uh, you know, as soon as a deer comes, well then, or something happens or a coyote or a bird and you, you had those conversations with them, like keeps them interested. Yeah, but uh, if they just had to sit there and stare at the inside of a blind, well, that's not too much fun for them. Yeah, but uh, anything that happens, you can like even walking in if there's coyote tracks in the mud, be like, oh man, like there's coyotes here, and like you Mm -hmm. had those conversations with them, they get some pretty excited. Yeah, well, and then and and it's it 
again, to go back to that, like it's just such invaluable stuff for them to be learning because then, you know, one day they'll be with a few buddies or whatever and it'll be the total difference of them walking through the woods maybe hunting together and they'll they'll be the ones being like yeah you know there's coyotes here or this is going on over there you can see this scrape over there you can see you know this sign or there's a shed over there or whatever and you know and a lot of other kids that don't grow up with that just miss so much they like and that, that was me because i didn't start hunting till pretty much as an adult right so it's like you know fished my whole life and stuff but it's just like I, I walked through the woods and had no idea you know what i mean how much story there was like how much trace animals left behind of what was going on in that area you know it wasn't until i had you know a few buddies same thing and that that was literally me they grew up their whole lives doing it with their parents and and then they were pointing out all this stuff to me and i was like dude like i feel like i've been walking through the woods with a blindfold on you know i just had no idea that this stuff was right in front of my eyes, right? So, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's very inspiring, man. It, it really makes me want to. Uh, well, I was already looking forward to same thing, like all the stuff with my son, but it makes me think like maybe it it's a little bit more more easy to accomplish now than I make well, it to be. But. I also have a my my youngest one, Tucker. Like I've got two kids that were you know shy growing up you know they could stay pretty quiet and focused my youngest man he is a handful like he is a, he's a card he is he talks <laughs> like the other two never did i got all their vocal in one kid and <laughs> i'm like I'm, I'm not taking this kid hunting like he is he does not stay quiet like he is just a chatterbox and he's a good kid he's just loud <laughs> and everybody seems like they got one of them and so this year is the first time I took him out and he wanted to go so bad. I was take I was going to go out and just sit for this white tail buck in velvet. And I'm like, okay, let's, I'm going to go do it. Well, Tucker started bawling. He literally just got out of the bathtub. He's buck naked and he's standing at the door <laughs> bawling. And he wanted to go so bad. And I'm like, looking at him and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I was taking Denver at two and a half. We shot a, we arrowed a bull moose together. I'm like, well, fair is fair. Yeah. Buddy, you really want to go? And he's just like, yeah. And I said, okay, go get dressed. You can come. And my wife starts laughing. She's like, good luck. If you shoot a deer with them, you're the world's greatest hunter. Like, good luck with that kid. <laughs> well, he was so proud. Like, he, we rode out to where we were going. We walked in. And we're, I'm like, we changed. I didn't go for whitetail. I totally changed my game plan. We went for mule deer just in case something, he started talking or whatever. I didn't want to spook that one deer out. Yeah. And then I lay him in the grass. We get them all hunkered in and on this fence line, kind of tucked in on the edge of the coulee. And for the most part, he's being pretty quiet. Like he's doing pretty good. My <laughs> middle one falls asleep. My oldest one's kind of dozing off, glassing a little bit. And I'm like, okay, hey, this is good. Tucker's going to doze off. And I got at least an hour of, you know, the lot before last light. So I'm like, perfect. I look over the youngest one shoving grass in the middle one's mouth. I'm like, Oh my God. He's like, hi, what, what you doing, dad? Hey dad, what you doing? Like, I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, Oh, it's happening. And like you waited, we just did an hour of sitting and now the, the voice comes out. He's bored. And I couldn't <laughs> keep in my phone. He's just like, no dad, I want to see some deer. Is there any elk? Like he just doesn't stop. Like yeah. he's interested in it. 
he's curious as all heck, but it's just like, yeah, we're not seeing anything for sure. There's not an animal <laughs> in a thousand yards. And then the next day we get him home and to bed and whatnot. And next day, my wife's like, so Tucker, how'd you like hunting? Me hate hunting. She's like, why? <laughs> Me get <in> trouble. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So yeah. the card. So once once he learns, he's got to be a little older, and I'll start taking him once he learns how to be quiet. Yeah. But the bird hunting and stuff like that—that's the best part about bird hunting because it's such a social thing. You get the blind, and yeah, they can talk all they want. It don't matter. Yeah. Like they get to experience it, and it's fun, and that's why. It's, well, actually, my good friend Nolan Sand, I, you know, used to do lots of bird hunting with them, and I I feel bad because we haven't hunted in so long is because now I got all these boys that want to go. So like to get a shoot in, it's hard because I, I got to take all these kids if I go. Yeah. So I haven't got out with those guys for a while. And he, but again, I talked to him yesterday and he's like, that's what it's all about. Like, you should be taking them bird hunting. You got kids that want to go take them. Like, yeah. but I've, you know, I've haven't hunted with a bunch of buddies. I used to hunt a lot with just because I do spend a lot of time hunting just with the kids. Yeah. Oh, I'm good on you, man. Like, well, I mean, like you say, it's from the sounds of it, it's that's what you want to do anyway. You know what I mean? You're not oh, doing it, you're not doing it out of uh, feeling obligated. It's not like an obligation to you to do it. You know, which is cool. Even on uh, the days that they're they're tuckered out or they had their long days of school, I'm trying to talk them into it because I know if they go, I'm allowed to go. So. <laughs> I see how this works. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm taking a lot of notes. Yeah. Here. <laughs> that's funny, man. That's been the best part about, um, say, with the shop and stuff, and you know, with everything's been happening this last year. Um, yeah. You know, with the club, the people I've met, like I've got good friends that, you know, well, with Chris Targets, I've known yeah. Matt for a long time. Play uh, hockey and stuff with him. We coach kids together and. Derek, like me and Derek became super good friends. Um, the last few years, like getting to know him, like just great, great people. Um, yeah. Guys I met with Dave Gerber. I never met him before in my life. He followed me on Facebook. He used to be a local, big part in the archery industry for a while. Um, never met the guy. Met him at the ABA show or banquet. He comes over. He's like, which one of you guys are Corey Lore? I'm like, uh, yeah, that would be me. He's like, I need to talk to you outside. I'm like, oh, I don't like, I don't know. Or did I do something wrong here? Like, I'm just been standing here. Like, okay, go outside. He's like, hey, my name's Dave Gerber. Nice to meet you. And like, just him and his wife, phenomenal people. But the people <laughs> we've met because of, you know, the archery stuff and everything, it's just, it's been overwhelming. Yeah. Like having Jim Wilson come out that, you know, used to own Grizz Targets. He came out and bought a bow off us and come out to the shop. Well, we spent the whole day visiting. It was just a great day. Like, you know, takes so much time to put a bow together, but just the time you spend with the guy personally has been, was awesome. Yeah. And that's so nice, man. And I find that's like what I'm starting to realize. It's just, you know, even yourself through C&D and, uh, and Doug and everything, that's just, you guys are such a like integral part of, you know, the community. And it's just, it's cool to see how everyone's so, woven together through you know different experiences through um just archery or bow hunting or even rifle hunting or anything or like you say waterfowl hunting or 
really any form of you know outdoor experience in the province because um it just really like blows my mind like i i think maybe i had the wrong uh thought when i first got into everything i thought you know most people hunting and fishing were more of the isolated type of people that you know just seek that um solidarity in nature to to get out and you know maybe like you say to reset and stuff like that and it seems like a lot of us you know go out either solo hunting or with friends or with family to like you say to make those memories or um like they're really meaningful and powerful moments that a lot of times are are pretty personal right and then the more i started talking to people through especially like even the podcast and stuff it's the more i realized that it's like everybody absolutely loves sharing that with each other. Like you say, like whether it's you're at the Alberta Bow Hunters Association Awards, like that's one thing even in general that, you know, is another thing that brings the, the community together. And then between you and Matt and Derek and um, like even just talking to Hunter and stuff like the, the interwoven connections through all of that as well. And it's just, it's really cool to just see how, I don't know, there's all these kind of like fence posts within the the hunting and fishing community in Alberta and just everyone over time slowly kind of gets to know each other and share these really enjoyable stories or experiences and help each other grow. And yeah, it's just really, really cool to see everything that you got. Even a young guy like Hunter, you Mm -hmm. know, I never didn't know the kid. And Mm -hmm. like he said, podcast, I had a friend that, uh, you know, hey, you you know this uh, Hunter Friedson kid? I'm like, never heard of him. He's always a tax urban settler. I'm like, okay. And like um, my tax thermos that I've used for, you know, my whole life, he's just retiring. And I was kind of like, okay, like never used anybody else. And shot this, um, my second bear with a bow. And uh, I was like, ah, you know, maybe I'll give this kid a chance. You know, he's new and he's local and not far away. So I rip over there quick and meet the kid. And I said, well, if you do a good job in this, we'll talk. Because at that time, I was just thinking about we're start, starting that shop up kind of deal. And yeah. well, he knocked that bear out of the park. Like the melon on that thing, the way he got it, like the look on that bear, exact same look I got when he came in. Like there was just a serious look. Crazy. And I couldn't be like that. Like that's the face that that bear had. And I have it on video everything like it's the same look it looks identical so i couldn't be more happy with it because i got instead of doing a rug i got the just uh the full head done yeah and then you know start to talk to this kid and doing a little more a little more then i'm like you know if i shoot this or i see this deer if i shoot him i was after one deer like in my area i usually pick out one buck like try and let all the bucks go, give them a, give them a chance to hit their full potential, but we'll pick out one mature buck and hunt that one deer only. Yeah. And I, I said, if I get this deer, I'll let you do them. Well, uh, that deer ghosted me for three months. I got pictures of him in August and I never seen him the whole entire season. Mm-hmm. I put up everywhere, changed things up. But he just never came in. No idea where he lived. Last week, uh, November, there was like five days left in the season. I ended up, this deer just showed up one morning. And I end up harvesting this deer. So he's like, so you're bringing him in or what? I'm like laughing. <laughs> Taking this deer and he did him up and he did a freaking phenomenal job on that thing too. His birds are out of this world. I got three mallards hanging up in the shop here. 
and they're just awesome. Like just yeah, does such a good job. And he takes such pride in it. But what a good kid! Like tomorrow, like he calls me, he's like, "Yeah, let's get out on a bird hunt." I'm going out tomorrow morning. We haven't made it work because of harvest and stuff. And so tomorrow morning, I'm like, "Oh, let's go!" So he's got a shoot lined up. That's where I'm going to go meet him at his place at five mm-hmm. o'clock and and go from there. Yeah, but like just the people I've met doing this has been awesome. And yeah. so like I I love supporting another guy that uh, that loves to get into it. So it's like you for yourself when I I talked to you how many months ago. Yeah. You know you're firing up and it was just like just clicked right and yeah another guy doing a good thing and yeah love dealing with you guys well really appreciate that man and yeah it is funny with with hunter for sure and especially even like when him and i connected too and i remember you know when we were talking about things i was like out of everybody i was like it's probably going to be years before i like meet hunter i was like until i like really shoot something of substantial quality you know that's like worth bringing to him to get like full mounted or whatever like shoulder mounted right i was like it's going to be uh quite some time probably and then sure enough yeah things clicked opening day for me here and i was like (laughs) i called him like that night or i think i can't remember if i called him i was messaging him that night and i was like well i guess yeah <laughs> i guess i'll be driving down to stetler like this weekend it was just too funny because went from being like yeah maybe i'll do like you know i want I, we had a spring bear trip lined up this coming up spring and i was like you know maybe if that goes through then i can get a rug or something or uh get you to do a rug for me or something and i was trying to figure out like you know when i would ever have something of substantial value to, you know, be able to get some, you know, to get some of and what and then... picture you shot. Like when you sent me that picture, yeah. Like that was that's a jaw dropper. Like immediately I'm like, you gotta be kidding. I'm like, that thing is massive. <laughs> I was so pumped for you when you sent that. And you're like, I like you had no words at that point. Like we barely talked until like a few days after until you finally Tell me a bit about it because I was like, that thing is that is a beautiful deer. That's what you go your whole life hoping you get a glimpse of. Yeah. Rather than sticking an arrow in it. Oh man. And I appreciate that. And I that is something like I've already like definitely accepted. As I've pretty much accepted that of that might be, you know, white tail in velvet, non typical that size, and you know, all the forks and knives coming off them and everything. I was like, that's I don't know if I'll ever see a deer, let alone harvest a deer like that, you know, ever, like ever again in my life. I mean, you'll, I'll probably always be chasing that, that one up now. I'll always be hoping that, yeah, maybe something, something crazier happens, but yeah, that was, even like you said, those three days until I talked to you that whole weekend, man, I was just like in my own kind of surreal kind of shock from it, you know, like even when it, when it walked in and just, having those like the thought process of just like if this thing gives me an opportunity i cannot miss it you know what i mean like i this has to be no fault and you know what's funny because and i've mentioned this in prior episodes of the podcast or whatever because i bought the like the drop away rest to you right yep and then uh you you got that rest set up on your bow eh? that same one exactly. you betcha and have you been in, enjoying it do you have any I don't know. Like, yeah. Anything you don't any, think about it? You know, I, I've used a ton of different rests. And I actually ordered that rest because it kind of, I'm not a, you know, I don't, don't really 
bother me if things match color wise and things don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm looking for the usage of the the things I'm putting on it. Make sure you know the performance. Mm-hmm. And when you ordered that one, I'm like, man, that green would look good on that green bow I just bought. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered that exact same rest and put it on just the same color. But yeah, no, it's been yeah. good. I um, all that stuff from QID has been all right. So yeah. Yeah, it took me some time to get the uh, the timing dialed. Like once I yeah. when I installed it and got it all set up on my bow and everything, and then when I took it out and finally started shooting it, I was I, I don't know the way like through the little DVD they have and stuff. I I tried to do it as accurate as possible for the timing, and I was definitely a little bit slow. Like I was losing some veins and getting the jig back set up and regluing veins on arrows and stuff because. Uh, there's some kind of blowing through before the thing would drop but once i got it dialed in or whatever I was, i've been really happy with it but it was funny because when you sent me the the rest at the same time you threw in some of those uh the c and d archery um arrow wraps that were orange yep. right and i think i mentioned it to you before i'm not sure and i can't remember if it was you that said this but someone said it because when i opened the box and i had those i was like oh this is sweet because at the time i legitimately had a bunch of spare uh orange veins kicking around and i was like man yeah this was like a week before september 1st and literally a week before the opener and that september 1st was when i shot that buck right so it was like pretty much a week before the opening day that i'm like doing everything you probably shouldn't do which is like setting up a new rest like scraping off veins like putting on wraps and gluing gluing new fletching on and stuff you know what i mean gluing new veins on and I started to, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to try it with an offset. And then I'm getting into offset and my vein. I, yeah. And I, I was starting to piss around with stuff I probably should have not been doing like a week prior to. But so, and I can't remember if it was you or someone else, but someone was like, man, those orange wraps are sweet because they're going to stick out. Like you will see them. Right. And uh, yeah, like hands down two things. One thing was. I was extremely nervous because of the fact that it took me a little bit to get that rest timed properly. I was so worried that like, even though it was shooting fine, the one time I shot it at an animal, it was going to like rip veins and I was going to miss or something like that. <laughs> I just had this. Well, that's, that's why you brought uh, your bow to put the rest on at your local shop. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I go down to see and Yeah. <laughs> that's a great, <laughs> I like that plug, but uh <laughs> but anyway so you know um i was so concerned like you know it was once i got it working fine and everything like i said it was working fine but i was still had that that worry that something was going to happen and then uh yeah sure enough like when that deer came through i was like we were saying earlier i was like you know watching it i was like man if i don't get an opportunity at this deer like at least i don't get an opportunity i would rather and this is a weird thing to say maybe, but I would rather just like not even get a shot on something than it present a shot and then totally miss, you know, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's way easier to deal with like seeing it and then it just not kind of working. Then it'd be totally at fault for like having buck fever or something like that. Right. Or, or yeah. Well, installing your own rest and it not working or whatever, but. It's like uh, Hunter, that first bear. I, <laughs> I never laughed so hard inside without trying to, you know, like hurt somebody's feelings or like I was, I was shaking inside. I was laughing so hard because he was, he had bear fever. Yeah. So bad. I've never seen a tip of an arrow 
move up and down so much <laughs> in my life. And he's just like, he was just vibrating. Yeah. And there's this shaking. I'm sitting in this in my chair and I'm, I'm vibrating. Like, I'm like looking up at him. I'm like, it's okay, buddy. Just breathe. Take your time. Yeah. Trying to calm him down. And he missed. And I'm like, it's okay, man. Like, it happens. Like, we've all missed. Like, you haven't did archery long enough if you haven't missed. Like, yeah. Well, the bear comes back in. And then he's just like, you just see the composure the second time. He's like, okay, deep breath, holds himself. And he made a beautiful shot the second time. It was perfect. Yeah. And everything worked out awesome. Yeah. But just the way it is, it's like, I've never, I've done that. I've been the other guy. Oh, me too. Holding yeah. that bow and vibrating. But watching somebody else was the most entertaining thing. It was just awesome because the experience, like I've had his feeling yeah. so many times. When I shot my my last bear, I said, uh, "When that feeling goes away, I quit hunting." Yeah, and you're not you have bears all day, and you know you're not real excited. It's like, oh, that's a nice bear, you know, you're judging, and then all of a sudden you have that big guy come in, and yeah. your heart just leaves your chest. Like that's the whole point. Yeah. No, a- absolutely. And you're actually, I've only had one other person say that to me, and that was actually uh, one of our good family friends who's across the property across from us uh said and he's been hunting this whole life and one day he said the exact same thing to me because i like i had experienced that for sure where I, <laughs> and he was like you know what man he's like w- we all get it and he was like and, and the day that i don't is the day that i'll quit and i thought and i've literally like lived by that that it is and and to see that that's why when you even said that i was laughing because i was like man it's funny because we've been there and it's such an that's what makes us all want to go back and do it every year right it's because it's just the thrill of it is beyond explaining explainable or whatever like it's can't explain it but oh it was like that antelope when that arrow made that connection in that spot where i had it wanted it to be yeah my heart it's like you can't even like you're almost as your you just lose it and it, it ran 50 yards and walk over to buddies like you smoked them i'm like it takes that while like you're just, you're just it's amazing it's the greatest feeling in the world when everything comes together well and it's crazy too right because like what i was going to mention with the the orange wraps and like the orange veins there and stuff like once i had and i'm i've personally never been a fan of lighted knocks um it's whatever again it's another one of those personal preferences right like everyone's got personal preferences um i just i found them like okay well they're they're pricey. I don't want to lose them. If I lose an arrow, I don't want to break them because of their cost. I don't want to, you know, forget to shut them off or whatever and have them blink and die. Or I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of things that I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. And then they're a little bit heavier in the back end of the arrow or whatever. Um, but, uh, and again, I've also see the, the pros to it that I'm like, yeah, like, you know, if it's, if you pass through an animal, you can see it just blinking in the ground, you know, it's right there. If it's stuck in the side of the animal, you can watch it run through the bushes a little more with it blinking or whatever. You can follow the, yeah. the shot through the air with it blinking. So it's like, I totally see the value of them. And part of me still wants to run them because of the value. Right. So that's why when you sent these orange wraps and I put these orange veins on, I was like a little bit of the best of both worlds because they're very visible. Um, but in the same instance, um, without the ex- ex- extra weight or whatever. And, well, I mean, you're not going to add too much with a sticker, but yeah, is what it is. But um, for like when you get into all the really finite grains and everything like that. But uh, when when I hit that buck, it was funny because I legitimately like 
pass through and I just seen the arrow sticking out there and I could just see the C and D wrap. <laughs> I was like, it was like meant to be, you know what I mean? Like to be able to see it and yeah, just know. But it was also funny too, because in the heat of things and how the buck reacted, like he had reacted like he string jumped a bit, like he heard the noise and was spooked, but he didn't yep. go off running, freaking out or anything. He was like pretty calm. It was almost like he didn't know he was hit. And then I could hear him like try to give like a bit of a snort wheeze and I could hear it like gargle a bit with the lungs. And that's when I was pretty confident that I I had a really good shot on him. But seeing the arrow stick out of the ground still gave me that sinking feeling was like, did I just miss like the biggest buck of my life or whatever? Right. But uh, it's funny, too, because when you mentioned uh, like when you pinwheeled the antelope and stuff, they're like, it's funny how or even when you're talking about hunter kind of like shaking it's like it's funny how we there's kind of like lapses in memory a little bit like i fully remember drawing my bow back and i and i know in previous and like times like sometimes i don't even remember drawing my bow back or whatever right it's like you practice so much and then in the heat of the moment like you almost can't practice for when you're looking at a live animal like you can run around and get your heart rate going or whatever and then go take three shots or something like that but it's nothing really gets you going as much as something coming in that you have the tag in your pocket for. Right. Um, and it can really get you going. And like you say, just get your heart, like leaving your chest. And then like for myself in, in that experience, I don't remember letting my bow down and climbing down from the tree. It was weird. I remember like, cause I was in a tree stand for that. Um, yep. Like I, I fully remember like my entire shot cycle. Like I remember drawing my bow back and he was like, he had his head behind the tree there. <clears throat> and then when he like came through, I fully remembered like, you know, having the sight go over his face, down his neck, over the shoulder, okay, on the crease of the shoulder. And like, I remember lining the pin up. I remember like slowing down and not rushing the shot and gently squeezing my wrist release and stuff. Like I just, all of that was like, you know embedded in that moment like i really made sure because of you know the i think just everything in general i was like this needs to like happen there was a lot of pressure in that moment and i really like took the time to same thing like take the deep breaths calm myself down and make sure that all the shot cycle was the same as if i was just shooting at a target or whatever but then after the shot was released and i spent the time like making sure i was seeing where the deer went and seeing the arrow on the ground and whatever i knew that i wanted to like go and check out the arrow and make sure that there was blood on it and everything like that and make sure that it was, you know, went the way that it looked like it went and the way it sounded like it went, right? Like you usually can hear it when it hits a deer too. It's, there's kind of a noise to it, but, uh, well, you always, as a hunter, you, you want to make sure you made that best shot and stuff, but yeah, it's easy to second guess yourself. Like it after is. everything, happened, like heat of the moment, like that mule deer, I shot here a few days back. I know I made a good shot, but then the way he turned and then I'm second guessing, well, okay, well, the way he took off, he went into the thick part of the bush, like just the way he turned, did I get him perfectly or did it, you know, did he turn too much? And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you know what? Now I'm not a hundred percent confident. I'm going to leave him overnight and then come back first thing in the morning. And it ended up being, it ended up pinwheeling him, Mm -hmm. but it was just, you know, just that angle. You see that arrow connect and the way they, you know, jump the string or turn a little bit you just want to double check and that's all we want to do as hunters is make that most ethical shot we can 
Yeah. No, and that's just it, right? And then especially in the heat of the moment is so easy. Like I said, even just seeing that arrow, I was like, okay, well, either that was absolutely perfect. <laughs> I was like, or I absolutely missed. And yeah, and it was funny because I remember same thing, like even with that buck, like he ran just like right around 20 yards and he piled up there. And it was like, I didn't like, I wanted to, of course, give him time and everything. And I wasn't trying to rush to go find him, but a whole bunch of me was like rushing to go look at the arrow. Cause I was like, I was like, I'm not calling my wife. I'm not calling anyone to tell him like what just happened until I get down and look at that arrow. Right. So I was like, so I just remember. And then for some reason it's weird. I don't remember like tying my string and letting my bow down and crawling down, but I remember like walking super slow up to the arrow and then yeah, on that wrap, like, you know, seeing blood and then checking the arrow out and just being like, being some bubbly blood and being just, yeah, that's when it's kind of sinks in that, yeah, you made a good shot and oh, yeah. you know that it's going to be a good recovery and you dealt kind of things as ethical as possible. It's just all that anxiety or that weight comes off your shoulders. But... Yeah. There's not a better feeling when all that comes together at the very end. Yeah. And at first, like when you see that animal, when you're walking up, it's just like, it's almost like it's not even real half the time when you, everything comes together. It's just the best feeling. Dude. And that's and what it still... don't matter if it's, it is a buck the size of yours or, yeah. you know, you're out there and you, the first kill with the doe, it, it don't matter. Any kill with a, a harvest with a, a bow is mm -hmm. a trophy in my, don't matter what it is. Yeah. So you're, you're putting the work into it and everything comes together. That's a story on its own. It's awesome. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And it is, and it doesn't matter exactly like you said. Like you can't, I love the you can't eat the antlers thing because, yeah, it's it's the work that goes into it and, you know, the reward of sharing the food with your family and everything. But even now, like, I'm, that's why I'm really excited to get the, the buck back from Hunter here when he's done because, you know, even when I look at the picture, I'm like, I still don't even, like, believe that that happened, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that one in particular, you know, and, yeah. It's funny, man. But uh, yeah, uh, running out of space, my office now for all this stuff. Where <laughs> I guess my the archery shop it originally started out. That was my man cave. So when I built my shop years ago, I put it up, and I didn't even have a cement pad yet. I start framing this office. I called, yeah. and my wife was like, "So why are you building this now?" I'm like, "Because I need somewhere for all my stuff." Because she, you know, wasn't a huge fan of hunting at the time when he. Uh, hang stuff in the house overly. And then, you know, I had a few mounts, so I needed a place for them. So I built this man cave, you know, had a little bar up there and a table and a couch and the TV set up all my hunting stuff. And I built this little sanctuary. And then all of a sudden, uh, now the way the shop took off, I completely re-renovated up there and turned it into an archery shop. But now I've got mounts coming up yin yang in the last <laughs> few years. I've almost like, that's my addiction is mounting them because like, now with the shop and it looks good up there and yeah oh yeah so, man yeah my wife's just like oh i you hope that whitetail comes in she's like i don't yeah i'm like why it's like because you're gonna get another thing mounted <laughs> that was something we uh as we took this i was talking to uh carson in a few episodes back and we were talking about um just like you know where we're going to be allowed to put taxidermy and for me like where i do the podcast and my little podcast studio things just in you know in a man cave in my house right in my basement and uh 
same thing like i've got you know a euro mountain here and some other stuff and and you know my my wife's like oh i'm like you know above our fireplace we've got like a wood burning fireplace i'm like that's an absolute perfect spot for you know a nice trophy buck or whatever you know yep. <laughs> she's like yeah no way or whatever and we just had this comical discussion to bring it up again that we're calling them like upstairs deer yeah it's like you know like you could mount everything but there's only a few that you could count as upstairs deer or living like you know <laughs> actual living space deer that your wife will let you put somewhere else than the man cave or whatever so it's pretty funny we're uh looking at upgrading places here in nice. the future and, uh, i said okay you can have your house but as long as i get to put my animals upstairs and i said all i want is a fireplace one day and i can go up there and I said, yeah. I want my, like, no. I'm like, yep, better house. Take it or leave. <laughs> well, like, how many are we talking? Like, yes. <laughs> it becomes a whole bargaining thing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so it starts as one and ends as 20. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's the fun thing. I had to sneak him into the boys' room, um, two year amounts. Um, I harvested a meal deer with the boys um, be a few years ago. Just a, you know, mature three-point mule deer. And for the bow tag, I try and, you know, take some bad genetics out of the area. And and I've got one with the kids, which was awesome. So that was third year, I called it. And we put uh, a whitetail euro and uh, a mule euro in their bedroom. And they yeah. had it all, all done up with their names on the wall. And they wanted a hunting room. That's why they wanted to turn their bedroom into a hunting room. Just like the office. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I was able to sneak something into the house. <laughs> that's pretty cool that's fun yeah so slowly slowly getting her trained very slowly (laughs) so yeah i was gonna ask you too uh what's your plans for the remainder of this hunting season and what you got going on with cnd for the rest of this year and everything uh with cnd well with kids busy with hockey and stuff um probably try and do some stuff with the archery club Mm -hmm. um Derek runs that full-time he's awesome like the club wouldn't be what it is without Derek um with Chris targets like yeah. he puts so much time and effort into that like we our uh 3d setup we got the old curling rink in Heisler yeah and that's where we kind of shoot out of it's it's phenomenal it's a great setup we so with the shop and stuff we just got you know got some new bows coming for the club and stuff like that but it's getting near to the end of the season so actually me and Doug are going to get together here next week and figure out what we're going to bring in for the rest of the rest of the year for inventory and then usually we really stock up come spring before summertime and uh, I think Doug's planning on doing a few few different things as well up at uh, his way and then for the remainder of hunting and stuff well I just got a white tail tag left try and maybe sit in the blind with the kids and even in november i try and i take my bow so i don't rival hunt a whole pile what i do when i can but uh i really well i joined the um, alberta bow hunters association i've shot everything with my bow already but now it's kind of a goal like i've I gotta start over right like you gotta get your small game your big game and your masters and well yeah. it's a goal i set so now i'm trying to push it all in in the next couple of years and before life gets too busy, but, uh, yeah, my, my life is, uh, going to be swamped here just in kids sports in the next little yeah. while. So. Well, I don't even know how you do it already with the three of them and all the sports and then, yeah, all the work that you're doing and then the shop and then getting time to hunt. I'm like, yeah, 
it gives me uh, inspiration that <laughs> there's still fuel there somewhere to to power through and still do things you love with your kids and yeah live a really enjoyable life because and i'm not saying i like you know very much enjoy our life and everything we do i feel very blessed but some yeah. days even with one kid i'm like man how do we find enough time to get things done here so well yeah. about 11 years ago um some life stuff happened yeah. and i look back on it and like life's too short you gotta if you're able to do it and do it with people you love yeah. do it like do what you want to do because at the end of the day like you say you only got your memories so if you're yeah. able to squeeze things in you do it now because you never wake up one day and say you know what i wish i would have worked more yeah so that's kind of how i've changed things and i make time for everything i want to do with the family and the kids and like we summertime uh we spend a lot of time too at the lake and in between work stuff and you know chasing fields and stuff like that but uh yeah we just try and fit it all in and if it doesn't fit we pack a little more in there anyway (laughs) (laughs) i like that i just really like that sentence you're never gonna that was yeah that's words to live by man that you're never gonna get old and think to yourself i wish i would work a little more that's or yeah however you just put that was like yeah Yeah. well but now i gotta thank you for your time tonight Corey. you know coming on the podcast i'm glad we finally got around to everything there and my apologies again with my end at times that we've land and been sick and whatever but i'm just super happy that we finally got to sit down and yeah i'm glad we were able to go over these stories and i know you got a lot more and i'd love to have you on again in the future and you know whether it's stories that are new or even other ones from the past that you want to share or anything like that um i'd really love to do this again man and more importantly i got to get down there and uh you know come and support the shop and i want to shoot with you guys and stuff too i could probably pick your brain just talk to you for hours about so many different things i think i'm gonna yeah probably get set up with one of those sites that we talked about so yeah you betcha well thanks for having me on and yeah appreciate everything um really enjoy what you're doing like i spend a lot of hours driving to farmers places and stuff all over the all over the place and yeah i've been loving the podcast like everybody's stories that's been on have been awesome and that's that's the best part what you're doing is you're telling everybody's stories yeah so you get to hear from everybody and it's it yeah quite enjoyable i really really like what you're doing it's a good thing well i appreciate that a lot Corey. and it's something that i've started to learn even from just the five months of doing it now it's not that it's been around too long or anything but what i've started to really enjoy about it is just that is really highlighting and showcasing just kind of everybody from alberta and you don't need to be well known. You don't need to be some famous person, or you, you know, or you can be whatever. You know, like it's just everybody's got incredible experiences here and have done have done some pretty amazing things. And yeah, I just I really actually enjoy you know creating a platform for to talk to people. And I mean, I learn a ton talking to guys like yourself and you know Derek and Matt and all the other guests that have been on over the past five months and stuff. It's been yeah incredibly rewarding for yeah myself to just learn from all these different experiences people have and put that out there so other people can relate and maybe learn some more stuff about the province they're in and yeah get out there and enjoy it you know you betcha that's what it's all about you betcha well again thank you and uh yeah you have a good night there Corey. and uh yeah we'll keep in touch and talk to you again soon and good luck with everything the rest of this year 
Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Bye.